صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنرز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, uh, everyone. Uh, this is another edition of Palestine Remembered, and uh, it is going to be myself only uh, this uh, episode. Uh, so we have uh, a very busy uh, episode uh, coming up, uh, an interview uh, with a Palestinian uh, academic from Bir Zayt University and a journalist, uh, Dr. Ahmed Jamil Al-Azim, who is going to talk about the recent elections in uh, Israel and how it is going to uh, or how he expects to reflect on us the Palestinians also we are going to play uh, snippets of uh, a recording that Robert brought back with him from Palestine the recording uh, is uh, from a tour guide, Palestinian tour guide in the city of Khalil, Baha, uh, who, will, uh, who told Robert and the other uh, pro-Palestine activists uh, about what it means to live in uh, Hebron. But also, uh, on a good note, uh, we will leave you uh, with uh, two good news from Sudan and Algeria. So uh, stay with me and enjoy the episode. I am joined uh, from Ramallah with Dr. Ahmed Jamil Al-Azim, Palestinian academic and political commentator. Dr. Ahmed, thank you for uh, being with us uh, today. Thank you for having me. The Palestinian leader, Hanan Ashrawi, uh, said that the current uh, or the the recent uh, results of Israeli elections uh, is another indication that uh, the peace process uh, has come to an end. Uh, and there are also other commentators that talk about uh, the um, uh, the move from bad to worse, from fascist to more fascism. Uh, do you agree with that, Dr. Ahmad? Actually, I agree, but also I should add that um, it is not the results of the the elections itself, because actually uh, it is all all the all the all the programs, all what have been uh, introduced during the the the, the campaigns uh, were the same. The, the, actually, the most important thing that uh, there is no peace camp now inside Israel. Uh, very marginal, very small parties that believe in two-state solutions or believe in believe in uh, peace with Palestinians. Uh, there were a competition among uh, right-wing and uh, more right uh, and hardliner and more hardliners. So uh, it, uh, the elections itself tell tell the story. Mm. So. Uh... Before before the elections, uh, several news outlets said that the so-called uh, deal of the century will be f- officially declared 
after the Israeli election. And also, we've seen during the campaign, uh, Netanyahu mentioned that uh, we, we, we're getting closer to annexing parts, if not all, of, your, of West Bank uh, to the Israeli sovereignty. And there is also another uh, plan prepared for Gaza. Do you think we're getting closer to the official announcement of the deal of the century? Uh, if there's a deal, why why Netanyahu's going to annex anything? Actually, uh, we started to hear about this ultimate deal uh, in in December 2016, before even uh, move uh, to the White House, and we keep hearing uh, day, uh, and delay the uh, the day of announcing such deal. And the Israeli, actually, the Israeli politicians and Israeli commentators, if you read the Israeli newspapers. It was clear from day one that they said we don't need deals. We we need step. We so so what is happening? It actually Jerusalem recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel by the United States, and then we have the Golan Heights, and now we will have annexing at least part of the West Bank. Also, again, if we go back to the uh, the week of uh, the, the first week of Trump in the White House, uh, the Israeli politician at that time uh, were saying we need to annex uh, settlements, we need to annex uh, some parts of the West Bank. Actually, annexing part of West Bank were had uh, had more priority uh, among uh, Israeli politicians, even comparing with Jerusalem. Uh, they were uh, talking about annexing uh, areas from West Bank uh, from the very beginning. So I think uh, now, uh, and with, with, with this uh, calm and uh, almost no, no, no reaction by the international community uh, on steps like Jerusalem and uh, or recognizing the annexation of Golan Heights, I think the Israelis feel it's uh, comfortable and they can uh, proceed with annexing more 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 lands and more areas we are expecting difficult time in the west bank uh, now uh, you have this israeli policy of annexation and uh, and israeli politicians uh, as i mentioned from day one uh, saying that they want to annex part of the, from the day one of trump in the white house they are saying we want to annex parts of the west bank and then now we are in the second month without receiving that uh, the tax, the money or taxation money from Israel. Israel is deducting money from the from tax that they should pay to the Palestinians, and Palestinians are not accepting such policy. And so, I think if the international community is not intervening quickly and efficiently, we are expecting difficult time. So difficult time in forms of uh, economic pressures on the Palestinian Authority, economic pressure on the Palestinian society that might lead to maybe social or political unrest. Is this what you mean? 
not only not only financially not only economically uh, we also have uh, the annexation uh, confiscating uh, lands uh, having more uh, checkpoints uh, we are expecting more restrictions on, on mobility uh, so uh, the israelis also wanted to uh, bypass the palestinian uh, official leadership they want to bypass uh, the palestinian liberation organization leadership and they are trying to open channels with even some uh, local leaderships they are trying to open channels with uh, businessmen I, I think uh, Palestinian businessmen I think this will not succeed will not happen will happen this will not succeed but at the end of the day uh, there is a lot of uh, trouble a lot of tension are growing uh, in the West Bank and also in Gaza we're talking to Dr. Ahmed Jamil Al-Azim from Ramallah Palestinian academic and political commentator Dr. Ahmed I want to talk about Uh, the hunger strike that some Palestinian prisoners uh, started uh, in protest of the worsening situations uh, inside Israeli prisons. What are the demands of the prisoners? And do you think we are going to witness a mass hunger strike similar to what happened in 2017? Now there are 400 uh, prisoners already uh, uh, declared uh, hunger strike and we expect more. Uh, and um, But maybe we don't have the news because Israel uh, have the, the leaders separated from any other prisoners or uh, and the lawyers are not allowed to visit uh, the leaders of the prisoners uh, and it's already starting and the restrictions this time uh, maybe we should clear uh, and we should uh, clarify what is uh, what uh, what kind of restrictions we are saying uh, there are thousands or hundreds uh, hundreds i think i believe it is thousands of prisoners from gaza strip who didn't see their parents and families for years now and in uh, in, in previous years in uh, other hunger strikes israel accepted and uh, that the, the families of uh, the prisoners will be allowed to visit their uh, sons again, their people again. And now Israel is still refusing this. So you have uh, this time uh, uh, hunger strike is, uh, is is trying to, uh, to to ease such restrictions on even, uh, on the a very basic thing of even communicating with their families through telephone or through uh, through having their visit them once a month or something like this. Uh, so I think, and also Israel is trying to pressure Gaza in particular. They are trying to pressure Hamas and uh, through uh, such restrictions. And they are trying to pressure uh, the Palestinian leadership and BLO through saying that we will deduct any money you uh, support the families of the prisoners through this uh, money. It is a part of the welfare plan. It is part of helping needy people. And this is actually happening for many years now. And But Israel now decided to uh, increase uh, restrictions because maybe as I mentioned at the very beginning when we discussed the elections there is a kind of competition among uh, Israeli politicians who are uh, who, 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 will, who can show more hardline uh, policies. Uh, Dr. Ahmed, uh, uh, my last question is about uh, your most recent uh, study or book uh, about the Palestinian advocacy in general from uh, political movement. 
uh, more towards uh, uh, maybe grassroots level. Uh, uh, I would like to hear uh, the highlight of uh, this book uh, from you. Yeah, yes, thank you for this question. Actually, uh, this book has been published uh, at the beginning of this year. We are studying the social Palestinian youth movement starting from 1908 up to 2018. So I are speaking about more than 110 years mm. uh, we are studying uh, with special focus on the youth movement after 2011, after what is called the Arab Spring. And uh, the, the, the main idea in the book or the main finding of the book which is uh, that studied six areas six countries where Palestinians are living uh, Jordan Palestine Syria Lebanon uh, United Kingdom and the United States of America uh, the, the main theme uh, and the finding we uh, we uh, I found uh, the idea of activism, which is in Arabic called Hirak, which is uh, something like what's happened in the Arab Spring or even in uh, Eastern Europe of people going to the streets without having an ideology, without having a program, but with knowing they trying to, uh, to 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 oppose or to say something no against something. I think what I am saying in this uh, book that uh, this didn't work. Uh, and even young people now thinking that we cannot continue uh, using this uh, idea of campaigns or protest in the street for a certain time and for a specific goal and that we need to rebuild again a kind of political movements like it, it, it could maybe it will not be the political parties the usual once, but uh, but people started, uh, especially young people, started to think that we need something a long-term uh, framework for our activism. We look forward to reading this book in English and to reading it here in Australia and to hopefully sharing our experience and journey in Palestinian advocacy in light of the finding of the book in future. Actually, now we ha- we're having the final touches on the English version. Excellent. So we're looking forward to reading it when it's launched. Dr. Ahmed Jamil Al Azam, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Palestine, remembered on 855 AM and on podcast. And coming up is uh, parts of a recording uh, from uh, Robert's visit to Hebron uh, a year or so uh, ago, uh, where we hear the Palestinian tour guide Baha, uh, from Hebron talking uh, to pro-Palestinian uh, activists, uh, including Robert, uh, about uh, his city, Al-Khalil, and about the Israeli settlers of Hebron. Okay. So uh, let's have a listen. ...is known for producing the most outspoken racist Israelis, people who believe literally that they are on a mission from God to cleanse Hebron from its non-Jewish scum. So what you would see in the city of Hebron is not something that Israelis are doing with shame. No, we are very proud of turning Hebron into a ghost town for the Palestinians. But it's all done within the largest Jewish settlement in Hebron, which is Kiryat Arba. On this road, many Palestinians were, uh, were murdered as they were driving around here. You know, like you are driving your car, you see an Israeli soldier, you just try to avoid or like 
you know, it has an impact on you. They open fire for suspicious of maybe wanting to run them over. Like on this road, many, many Palestinian drivers were murdered on this road. Thank God our driver is not suspicious. If you want to build a house, 90% of the expense of the house is in the, the real estate, in the land, right? And then 10% of the expense is the, co the construction material. So here the state of Israel makes the land available by stealing it from Palestinian communities. And then the settler pays for the construction material. And the government makes profit because $300 over a period of 10 years is probably double the amount of money you pay for construction material. Provide them with subsidies. We'll talk about that. That we'll just have a conversation about that. Now, if you are a smart person, you can end up making money out of being a settler. Yeah. Literally, because like the subsidies are in every aspect of your life. The, uh, the city of Hebron is uh, divided into two areas of administration. Hebron 1 or H1, and that's a reference to 80% of the city. It's uptown Hebron is the newer city. It's where the majority of the Palestinians in the city are living today. H1 is more like area A. That's where you find Palestinian police in uniform in the streets of H1. Hebron 2 or H2 is uh, primarily the area where we are visiting is the old city and it's more like area C. It's under direct Israeli uh, government control, government and military. Yeah. The, uh, the reason for that was, okay, we have to cut Hebron into areas of administration in order to find the resolution. And the resolution is, from Palestinian point of view, the resolution was to find a solution for what's going on. From an Israeli point of view, it's like to cut the old city out of the rest of the city. Now Israelis say, like, we only have a 20% of Hebron, like you know, we are not taking over the whole area, we only have 20% of the city, but it's the old city where every local family from Hebron is originally from, and it's the old town. You can't say like, I only want to take 5% of Rome, which is like the old part of Rome, you know, because Rome will become meaningless without that 5% of the city, right? So the city of Hebron is literally meaningless without its roots, without its old parts. But the Israelis said, like, we only took 20% of the city. And the Arabs are, or the Palestinians are um, greedy because they want 100%. I'm like, no, I don't want 100%, I want my house, that's it. So uh, we are heading uh, to, towards Hebron, like, uh, in a little bit to your right hand side, you'll see a storage room for Coca-Cola and you'll see a military, like you'll see an Israeli military point. And that will be on your right hand side.
Grace way. Yeah, that's the Coca-Cola, and next to it, close to the road, you, there is an Israeli military tower. The Israelis literally control nothing more than like 50 meters, like because we are driving in area C for just a minute. And then you have area B in Hanhun, and then you have area A in Hebron. But like how do you cut two connected towns from each other? Block the road. In uh, time uh, that uh, we are uh, surrounded uh, by one bad news after the other, uh, by more fascism in Israel, more restriction on our prisoners, more uh, uh, confiscation of Palestinian land, and more suffering in the people of Gaza, two great news came out last week uh, from uh, Sudan and Algeria. The people of Sudan have been protesting for months against their dictator, Omar Hassan al-Bashir, who has been ruling Sudan since 1989 for three decades. There was a totalitarian regime, a dictator that reproduced corruption and failure in different ways and that was responsible for extremism and for the split of Sudan, for civil wars against Darfur, for uh, wars against South Sudan, for uh, 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 the, the list is very long of uh, the atrocities of the Sudanese uh, regime. Finally, the people of Sudan, after years of protesting against their government, they managed to get their voices heard not only in Khartoum, not only in Sudan, not only in the region, but all around the world. And uh, they narrowed and cornered their dictator in a situation that he had to step down. And last Thursday was the last day of his 30-year Rule. Uh, so uh, for uh, the people of Sudan, uh, I want to dedicate uh, this song by the Sudanese singer Muhammad Al-Amin. The dawn has come and the era of prison and gods is over. أصبح الصبح فلا السجن فلا السجن فلا السجان أصبح الصبح فلا السجن فلا السجن فلا السجان Another significant victory for the people of Algeria. 
the Algerian protests succeeded in forcing the Algerian president Abdelaziz Bouteflika to step down, who has been ruling the country since 1999. After months of peacefully protesting, uh, protests in hundreds of thousands or millions of Algerians took to streets uh, peacefully protesting and demanding a change of government, a change of regime, a change of president, and that fifth term is impossible. Uh, And of course, uh, several things happened uh, over the last uh, few months. The Algerian army decided to sacrifice the president to keep power, and Bouteflika was forced to step down. This is an important step forward, not an ultimate victory, but a very important uh, step uh, in the right direction. Now, uh, the Speaker of the Upper House of the Algerian Parliament is uh, a temporary president uh, until elections take place in three months' time in July. Thank you, uh, Algeria and Sudan, for revitalizing hope in the Arab Spring uh, after eight years of the autumn of extremism and uh, destruction and rebirth of dictatorship in other forms and also uh, foreign intervention in our countries. So uh, the Algerian and Sudanese people uh, showed civilized way of protesting uh, and for months they took to streets in millions and uh, brought about a change in a united way. And uh, to take you to the atmosphere of the Algerian uh, protest, uh, this is a song by some Algerian woman of a famous uh, Amazighi song. Amazighi is the indigenous language of Algeria and North Africa. That's all uh, we have uh, time uh, for uh, this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, the episode. 
and uh, remember to tune in uh, next uh, week uh, same time at 9.30 in the morning and uh, until uh, the end of uh, this episode I'll leave you with the original song that we heard the Algerian woman singing the song is by an Algerian uh, singer uh, Eder an Amazighi uh, singer an Amazighi is the indigenous culture of Algeria and North Africa the song is called Avavai Nova thank you and until we meet next time Salam. Google